Ah, someone else is also joining. Okay, so this meeting is being live streamed, as you know, um, and please don't hesitate to actually ask your questions in the chat room. There will be some uh, time um, at the, um, you know, at the end of each session for, oh, I'm seeing myself. Okay, okay. so this meeting is being live streamed. Um, so there will be uh, some time at the end of each, um, each sort of section for you to ask some questions. And um, yeah, I suggest we get going. So the question uh, that we are um, going to answer today is um, relating to the reform and uh, UK music law uh, on uh, the, I mean, uh, the um, re requested and suggested reform on UK music law relating to how to make the music streaming markets economically viable for all stakeholders and how these plans for the UK um, legal framework relation to music streaming compares to what is now in place in most member states of the European Union and how you as a music creator, as a content creator, in particular music creator, you can position yourself to get the best deal. So, um, the first section I wanted to, um, to talk about is what is the current state of play in relation to these music contracts in the era of the digital single market? Well, I think that um, quite a lot of uh, uh, music deals, music recording deals and uh, music publishing deals are, um, uh, are uh, especially those of course with legacy artists, are still very, very much um, ruled by the ancient era where CDs were the main uh, digital uh, channel to, sorry, distribution channel of music and uh, basically where the sale of physical products was, was king. Sadly with Napster uh, in the early noughties, this completely changed and Napster, the uh, pirate peer-to-peer -peer, uh, music system just um, disrupted the whole music economy and then there was this the time where downloads were in competition with music streaming and then eventually we we discovered a few years ago that music streaming won the game for now and so the likes of Spotify, Deezer and um, and Apple Music, um, Amazon Music are now uh, the king of distribution in, distribution in the music era. So um, all these, as I was saying, old recording and, um, and publishing contracts um, in the music industry, in particular for legacy artists, or even for new artists uh, who, who sadly sign um, with, uh, with um, labels, or publishers who still have not updated their, uh, their templates uh, for, for their uh, recording deals, well, they end up with a, um, a sore deal, like a difficult situation to deal with in terms of monetizing those music streams. And um, so some figures were released by uh, various bodies recently in, in 2021, such as the International Federation of the Phonographic Industry, IFPI, um, which explained that um, um, the music engagement mix now only relies um, uh, for 9% on, on physical 
products such as C CDs, vinyls, DVDs, downloads, uh, while basically the um, streaming services represent at the very least 50% uh, uh, between the, um, the, um, uh, uh, the subscription audio streaming, the ad supported audio streaming, and, um, and also the, um, the video streaming such as daily motion, YouTube, etc. So, so streaming definitely has won for now the, uh, the, the fight. And um, the problem that CISAC, the International Confederation of Societies of Authors and Composers, has um, underlined in its 2021 Global Collections Report is that while streaming is fast heading towards being the most important source of creators' earnings in the future, streaming revenues do not, um, are not distributed in, in a way which is fair towards the uh, the music creators so the music composers and uh, uh, the music uh, performers so what's the solution here especially since um, as i explained a lot of um, uh, music labels and uh, music publishers are still relying on old templates uh, old contracts uh, old tem templates of, of contracts where uh, it's not clear how music streams are going to be remunerated so on the, on the back of all that, um, there's been this uh, this um, this push in the uh, 28 now, but the UK has gone out of the, the EU 27 member states of the European Union since 2006, sorry 2016 to set up a single digital market, and uh, this. Um, a single uh, digital market is here to help um, content creators, but also um, media and um, and um, and distribution companies uh, find the best way to um, uh, broadcast their content in uh, online and at the, while at the same time getting paid for it. So um, the digital single market directive, which was, um, um, uh, which entered into force in 2019, um, contains a lot of this, uh, of, this uh, provi of provisions to improve the fluidity, efficiency, and also uh, protection of pro uh, uh, property rights, intellectual property rights, um, in, 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 its, uh, in its content. But we, today we are only going to focus on the digital, digital single market directive provisions which relate, which are basically applicable to content creators and music creators, um, such as music uh, composers and music performers. And um, So the current state of play in relation to those music contracts in the era of the digital single market is that in the EU, um, the 27 member states have now um, transposed or are in the process of transposing this uh, DCM, this digital single market directive. The deadline was at the end of uh, June 2021, but I understand that quite a lot of member states did not manage to um, 
uh, to um, uh, transpose the, the directive on time. Anyway, it's underway and, um, and they are basically transposing it now. And, and um, so coming back to the state of play, what is happening is that in the UK, content music creators, content creators are like waking up like, oh my God, the UK is not going to transpose the directive for digital single market directive, obviously, because the UK has done a Brexit. So what's going to happen to us? How can we stay on level playing field with um, these music creators who are based in the European Union? So in France, in Germany, in Netherlands, la la la, it's Italy, Italy, Spain, and um, and um, how can we how can, can we make sure that we are basically uh, treated fairly compared to them? And that is the current state of play, and this is why, therefore, the um, UK Parliament, and in particular, the section of the UK Parliament, which is called the Standing Committee on the Copyright and Related Rights of Intellectual Property. Uh, oh, apologies, no, I'm talking, <laughs> getting confused here. I meant the House of Commons Digital, Cultural, Media and Sports Committee of the, um, of the UK Parliament has come up with a, um, a string of um, requested uh, changes, recommendations and amendments to, in particular, the um, uh, Copyright Designs and Patents Act 1988, the CDPA. Uh, uh, so this is the main um, the, the main law relating to protection of uh, copyright in the UK, the CDPA. Copyright Design and Patent Acts 1988. And so that is the state of play. Okay, the state of play is that um, some MPs, members of parliament in the UK, have just waken up, they're just trying to basically, you know, uh, ring the bell and give a wake up call to all the policymakers in the UK that soon, very soon, uh, UK based musicians and music creators, songwriters are going to be in a distressed situation because not only can they not go easily uh, touring because of COVID and because of the Brexit uh, um, issues with obtaining visas to go and do some live touring in the, uh, in the 27 member states of the EU. So not only do they have these restrictions in relation to live touring, but also they are now going to be at a disadvantage, those UK musicians and music creators compared to their peers who are based in the EU and who will be able to benefit from the, uh, um, the level playing field created by the provisions of the Digital Single uh, Market Directive, which is being transposed in national law in the 27 member states. That is the state of play. So, this is the first point I wanted to make in relation to um, to this uh, to this webin live webinar today. Do, do any one of you have um, a, a question, some comments that you would like to uh, to make at this point? You can use the chat um, section if you wish, or you can also unmute yourself and ask a question if you wish. Ah, Enrique is also joining us. Hello, Enrique. Um, so. Yeah, so if you have some questions or points, I'm also checking our um, live stream on YouTube to see if everyone has any questions. Okay, so um, on YouTube, um, 
Emily is asking, um, can UK music creators sign a deal in um, in Europe in um, in in in, uh, in uh, the European Union? Uh, good question, Emily. So, um, well, in any case, that will require quite a lot of swagger, okay? Because uh, um, because uh, obviously, if you are signing with a major like um, a Universal, Warner, or Sony, they um, all have they some 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 subsidiaries in uh, in various uh, in in various European countries. So, say you are a French uh, music creator, there's uh, it's very likely that um, Warner uh, Music France. Uh, will want to sign you for, sign you for the recording deal, and um, and Warner Chapel France will want to sign you for the publishing, and um, and the same goes for you know uh, Sony in Germany, Universal in Germany, etc. So basically, to answer your question, Emily, um, how to sign a, a deal in Europe if you are based in the UK? Well, this is where you well where you need to uh connect and um and um, mingle with um uh, fellow artists who are based in the european union with whom you can do some collaborations and therefore attempt through that way for this sort of you know collaboration um with his other fellow artists based in the european union to actually uh, attempt to get a recording deal um um with uh, with for example his or her label in um in um in, in france say i remember there was this um this english artist a few years ago so that was before the, uh, the transposition of the uh, of the um, digital single market directive who was uh, who basically got signed by um a, a major in um in France, actually, while well, he was actually singing in English, so that was quite funny. But it was based in Paris. It was based in France, probably still is, by the way. And he managed to um, uh, uh, to sign in France with a major in France, and also to uh, um, to, to do all, all all his marketing and and development of his brand as an artist. There, I'm trying to. I think his name was Charlie. Charlie's. Um, anyway, it will come back to me. But um, but that was an interesting case of his where this guy actually positioned himself to act as a, as a as a uh, uh, an English speaking um, songwriter and performer to actually launch his career from France and so therefore in this instance if you are signed by um, a EU label an EU based label then you can take advantage of all the uh, advantages of the uh, of the uh, uh, protections which are inside the the directive the digital single market market directive that I'm going to talk about in the second section uh, another also way you can do this is for example if you uh, if you decide to uh, issue, to to release some music which is uh, going to be um, um, uh, liked in uh, in um, EU-based um, countries. So, for example, if you are Latino or Latina, um, and therefore you speak Spanish as well as as uh, as English, um, it is a good idea to actually release a um, a salsa song or like a la la Latinx song because then it will be successful in Spain 
and then that is attractive to Spanish uh, uh, record labels, and therefore you can do uh, some business with, uh, for example, so also um, lat uh, Latino music is also quite uh, quite um, uh, successful in France. So that could really have some attraction. This kind of music, this genre, could have some attraction for some uh, EU-based labels in Spain, or as I was saying, perhaps even Italy or or, or France. Um, Okay, so there are a few questions in the, the chat um, on Zoom. So uh, what are the disadvantages? I'm not quite sure what that means. So perhaps, Stephen, if you can expand on your question, that would be great. So Amal is asking, could you repeat the name of a copyright policy being discussed in the UK Parliament? Sure. Actually, I'm going to expand on this, Amal, and I think now is the right time for me to do so, actually. So sure. So um, yes. So what's happening is that in October 2020, the members of parliament, MPs from the House of Commons Digital Culture, Media and Sports Committee launched an investigation um, during which they heard from music creators, industry experts and streaming services um, they also held some roundtables with musicians to hear their views and wrote to major um, UK record labels and uh, tech companies for the explanations. So what I'm doing now, um, Amal and the rest of you guys who are uh, kindly um, uh, following us on, the, on YouTube, is um, that I'm putting the link on the chat um, on the chat box of my latest article, which contains plenty of links to these various um, website pages from the um, UK Parliament, where you can actually see all the documentation about this, uh, this investigation, which was launched by the House of Commons Digital Culture, Media and Sports Committee. So they did an enormous amount of work, okay? I, frankly, it was very thorough. I did read the 102 pages report entitled Economics of Music Streaming that they released um, in July, 2021, this, um, this committee, and it is a thorough job. Uh, really quite thorough and useful. Frankly, I, I found them very constructive. Um, so you have all the links to this in my article, which I just uh, submitted to you guys on, um, on Zoom, and I'm also going to submit it on uh, YouTube as well. And so, um, um, after this report was issued in July, then the government, the UK government, as well as the Competition Markets Authority, the um, CMA, the, competition, the UK Competition Market Authority, issued their response to this committee's report in September 2021. And also in September 2021, there was a bill which was presented by one of the UK MPs, one of the UK members of parliament uh, to uh, the UK parliament. And this is the bill which is called the, um, uh, a bill to make provision about the rights and remuneration of musicians, which is dated 24th November, 2021. Again, you can find the link to this bill in my article, okay? So as far as the timeline of this bill is concerned, it is now uh, at its second reading stage in front of the House of Commons in the UK, right? And, um, and so let's now talk about um, the, um, the protective legal framework 
set up by the digital single market uh, uh, directive um, for which is protective of music creators okay because chronologically as I explained first was the digital single market directive and then came the UK response to that to the DSM to this directive through uh, the um, investigation and then the bill that I just mentioned and um, yes uh, my pleasure, Amal. So, um, um, yeah, I, thanks, Stephen, for clarifying your point about the disadvantages. So I'll come back to this on, in a second, okay, about the disadvantages and uh, advantages versus, uh, yeah, so I'll come back to that. So first, let's delve into um, what, what is this protective framework set up by this directive, uh, which, as I said, was entered into force in 2019 with a view of being transposed by uh, June 2021 by the 27 member states. Well, it's very interesting. I mean, seriously, the EU, uh, the European Brussels-based policymakers have done some really, really serious work. And uh, frankly, it is great uh, for music creators. I don't think the labels and the publishers will really like those. <laughs> those reforms to be honest i am actually pretty 300 sure they very much dislike them but honestly from a um content a music uh creator and content creator perspective this is really good news why well um firstly because the um digital single market directive um, introduces some transparency provisions. It's Article 19 uh, provides that offers and performers shall receive on a regular basis, at least once a year, up-to-date, relevant and comprehensive information on the exploitation of their works and performances from the parties to whom they have licensed or transferred their rights or their successes and title, in particular in relation to the modes of exploitation or revenues generated and remuneration due. So now, by law, statutory law, which means that the contract, the uh, recording and publishing contracts cannot um, override these, uh, these provisions, which are mandatory. Um, now, these mandatory provisions and uh, force the uh, uh, music publishers and music labels to issue some statements at least once a year to um, their um, the talent, to um, performers and to uh, songwriters, lyricists. They need to, you know, and hand out the uh, 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 the information to them and be able to prove it, uh, you know, so they need to keep all the tr uh, track record of everything, otherwise they could be in trouble. Um, so, and that is a great way for music creators to actually see, okay, so um, my music has been sold that way and uh, the statement shows that um, I'm owed that much money and actually I only received uh, what much lower amount of money this year, so what's happening, where is the money? Okay, so this transparency provision is also reinforced by another uh, directive, which is the one uh, relating to collective management of copyright, um, 
which is from 2014, and which also um, puts an obligation on uh, collective management uh, organizations, so CMOs, collective management organizations. So in France, it would be SASEM, um, um, ADAMI, uh, et cetera, et cetera. In, in the UK, it would be PRS, PPL, and um, it would be GEMA in Germany, et cetera. So the CMOs also have an obligation to provide their rights holders reports of revenues that include the revenue attributed to the rights holder, the amount paid by the CMO to the right holder per category of rights managed and per type of use. Okay, so um, therefore this transparency obligation is very strong because for a long time it had been put on the CMOs, the uh, collecting societies, but now, it is also mandatory for record labels and uh, music publishers. So, ta-da, that's tough. Um, and, and of course, there's no equivalent of that in the UK for now. Okay, because uh, so, but, but but that is this this is one of the rights under the Digital Single Market Directive, which is being transposed in 27 member states of the EU. Uh, yes, of the EU. And so, what are some other additional rights? Uh, that um, this DSM, this Digital Single Market Directive, has uh, uh, provided to music uh, creators uh, based in the EU? Well, quite a lot, really. And it's all set out in Chapter 3. Um, and for example, there is a right to an appropriate and proportionate remuneration. So um, this is called the Fair Remuneration Principle. And uh, if you got your statement, okay, and your annual statement that your label or your publisher has to send you, you see this and you say, okay, so the publisher and the, uh, has made uh, one million out of my, uh, you know, out of my um, my songs and in particular my streams. How come I only get one hundred euros? What was happening here? Okay, and so here it's very clear that your appropriate and proportionate uh, right to fair remuneration has been breached, and you can say that to your publisher. Okay, you, you can say that to your label. What, what, what's happening with this? What's where's my money? Okay, so this is why this right of transparency is so useful. So this is Article 18 of the uh, of a of a digital single market directive. This, uh, this right to fair remuneration. There's also in the um, Article 20 of the um, of the Digital Single Market uh, Directive a contract adjustment mechanism. So, if armed with the information obtained through the transparency uh, obligations, um, offers and performers uh, see that they 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 have not received a, appropriate um, and fair remuneration, as I've just explained with my example just earlier. Uh, then you can actually, because, because they can see that the uh, remuneration is disproportionately low compared to the relevant revenues derived from the single exportation, then, um, well, then you can ask for a contract adjustment. They can say, guys, this is not working for me. My streams are not getting paid on them. So I want to have a, a fair remuneration here. Okay, so how about you give me 50% of what you make every time you get a stream? You know, uh, you get remuneration from a stream. Um, I want my money. And so, yeah, you've got the co contract adjustment mechanism where everybody's got to sit around the table, you know, the counsel, the lawyer for the, um, for the performer, the lawyer for, for, the, uh, for the label, and we discuss, 
we discuss them and say, how are you going to amend this contract so that my my client's right to fair remuneration uh, gets gets respected? Um, and um, and so you can do a really good negotiation. Uh, if it is not success, successful, it's, if it is unsuccessful, this renegotiation with the publisher or the, or the, the record label, then the creators have the option to bring a claim with a voluntary alternative dispute resolution body. So an ADR body, like, uh, so it's not a court, it's an alternative dispute resolution body, which will be set up in, um, in the, um, EU member state where where he, he this, this this content this music creator is based so it's awesome this is this is like so new this kind of uh, if you are an artist and you've signed your 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 you know your your uh, um, publishing agreement like twenty years ago and so a lot of water has gone under the bridge since and now streaming is so massive but in your 20 years old contract with your publisher nothing has been set out about uh, about streams and therefore uh, your publisher um, uh, just uh, basically uh, pays you as if this uh, stream was a, a, a licensed uh, license income then you get almost nothing but through these clauses um, uh, which are in the digital single market directive. Now you have a right to force your publisher to sit at the table and um, renegotiate the contract. And that is big. This is a big, big right. Um, so as I said, there's also this new alternative dispute resolution mechanism, which has been uh, put in place. Um, this is um, referred to in Article 21 of the digital single market directive. And um, and it's great because then you can go to this uh, voluntary body uh, as, a, as a music creator and you can say, I have a problem with my um, record label, I have a problem with my publisher, I tried to sit down with them and to renegotiate, you know, the, um, to get a fair and equitable remuneration, but they would not let me do that with them, and therefore we, you as the um, ADR uh, body, you, you need to uh, support me in, in resolving this dispute, okay? which arises uh, because they don't want to renegotiate. But you could also bring uh, an ADR dispute to this body in, uh, in, in France, in Germany, in, in, um, in Spain, etc. Um, if uh, the uh, publisher or the label does not comply with its transparency obligations of providing you at least once a year with a statement. So this is really quite awesome. Um, of course, uh, even if you are bringing a claim um, and a dispute in front of this alternative dispute resolution body, you can also still sue in court the um, uh, the publisher of the label. So I mean, come on, this is such a great change in terms of a balance of power here. You know, like the dynamics are completely different. You, you, uh, so it really is a way to uh, uh, re-empower the music creator. And let's face it, you know, if nobody wants to go into the music business as a as a as a music creator, as a content creator, because they know they're not going to be paid a dime on their streams, which are more or less the only ways to only way to make money nowadays, because nobody can tour anyway, or, or go like do some live stuff anyway. Um, you know, it's not the best and the brightest who are going to join the ranks of the songwriters and uh, and the performers of tomorrow. So. So in the supply chain of music, the music creators, be it the lyricists, the uh, composers, 
or the performers are extremely important. They need to be looked properly after. They need to be properly looked after um, by the um, by the other stakeholders in the music industry. And this is really what this um, digital single market directives, uh, uh, I think, very successfully achieving here. Um, changing the dynamic the power dynamics and shifting the balance of power so there's also a revocation right um article 22 of the uh, digital digital single market directive says that it, it, if uh, um if a uh, copyright uh, work uh, which has been licensed um exclusively is not being exploited by the licensee so the record label of a publisher then um, the content creator, music creator, can actually just terminate um, the agreement. Um, yeah, and um, I suppose also this revocation right could also be used. Apologies, in the um, uh, the renegotiation um, in order to obtain fair and equitable remuneration fails. So yeah, so music creators now in the EU have this revocation right. So that's cool. And that's statutory. So uh, it, it's a, a statutory right. It cannot be uh, uh, overruled and overridden by the content of any publishing agreement or um, or uh, re uh, label uh, record uh, recording agreement. So that's pretty awesome. Um, and indeed, as I was just mentioning, there's a specific ban on contractual overrides um, uh, of these provisions. So this is Okay, and sorry, just one point before we move on to uh, what's happening in the UK. On the Digital Single Market Directive, uh, there is another great clause, uh, which uh, is very important for music creators, which is Article 17 of this uh, Digital Single Market Directive, which basically provides that um, um, user-generated content platforms, so the likes of YouTube or Dailymotion, um have to enter into licensing agreements with the rights holders regarding the use of protected content so uh, uploaded by someone other than the rights holders so let me explain to you what that means in plain english if i may well if you have um uh john jane doe who uh, uploads on her youtube channel the YouTube channel, uh, the latest um, uh, uh, music track of um, of um, uh, 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 let's take over uh, Michel Polnareff, who is a French artist. Okay, so she uploads the latest track of Michel Polnareff, who used to be a, a very big star in uh, in France in the uh, in the eighties. And um, and Jane Doe is just you know um, uh, just a, a sit, like a, like an individual. She's not a company, etc. So she doesn't um, uh, she doesn't uh, clear the rights with Michel Polnareff, uh, publisher and uh, record label, when she uploads this uh, this track on uh, on uh, um, YouTube. Well, um, then it the 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 uh, uh, YouTube as this user user generated content platform has the obligation now um, to actually reach out to the publisher and label of Michel Polnareff, this French um, songwriter performer, 
to actually obtain a license. So that means bye-bye safe harbor protection. There's no uh, safe harbor protection now for user-generated content platforms anymore like YouTube or Dailymotion. They have, by, um, by law, by uh, um, the DSM directive, they have to obtain those licenses. And um, if it is not possible to enter into a licensing agreement with the, the rights holder, uh, the platforms and rights holder must cooperate in order to ensure that the unauthorized protected works are not available on these uh, user-generated content platforms. So that means if YouTube cannot get a um, license from the um, record label and publisher of Michel um, Polnareff, then YouTube has to remove that track from Jane Doe's YouTube channel. So I cannot tell you how this is like creating a shitstorm in the tech industry because now if the onus is on all these um, uh, platforms, uh, YouTube and uh, Daily Motion and the likes, to actually police their uh, content and um, and do obvious enforcement work or clear the rights with, uh, with the, li the license uh, uh, right owners. So, um, so they have to use AI, artificial intelligence, to basically screen and scan uh, all the, uh, the, the, the clients, uh, various YouTube channels, etc. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, again, an enormous shift in the, um, the power dynamics here. And, you know, they can't, you know, be like this and uh, hold their arms in, 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 in the air and say, ah, I didn't know, I wasn't aware, and uh, safe harbor, safe harbor, no longer, that's done. Okay, so otherwise they will be sued. Uh, the, these, uh, these UGC platforms will be sued if they don't uh, comply with Article 17. So what's happening at the moment, and in France in particular, because France has been the first uh, EU member state to transpose in French national law the content of the um, Digital Single Market Directive. So what's happening in France in particular, which is, the, is like at the very forefront of implementing the, the Digital Single Market Directive, um, is that um, uh, they're basically suing. They're suing the likes of Google, they're suing the, the likes of the platforms, YouTube, et cetera. They're giving them massive fines for uh, uh, infringing the um, uh, national law uh, relating to, uh, to, to this, uh, to this uh, safe, I mean, at, at the transposition of Article 17 of the DSM, of the, of the, of the Digital Single Market Directive. And the, the fines are really, really heavy. Um, okay, so um, I think you've got now a good, a good view of how to use this, uh, this uh, protective legal framework uh, set up by the Digital Single Market uh, um, Directive, and, and uh, which can be used by content creators, by music creators. I've been very clear, I think, in giving you some examples and exactly the, uh, the list of the various rights. Um, so let's go back to Stephen's question about the disadvantages of UK performers versus uh, EU performers. Well, now that I've explained what the Digital Single Market uh, Directive contains, Stephen, I think you would agree with me. It's plainly, it's plain, plain, it's quite clear that UK um, UK music creators are very much, very much at a disadvantage because with the Brexit. Um, the Digital Single Market Directive has not been transposed in uh, UK law, and therefore, <coughs> sorry, the uh, UK music creators um, are, can't uh, 
they can't use the, the tools, the protective tools, such as requesting the transparency um, by having an annual statement from the labels and, um, and the publishers. They can't do it if it's not set out in their contract, um, the English law governed contract. Um, they cannot um, basically request the enforcement of the right to a fair and appropriate remuneration because there isn't there isn't any um, in, in under UK law at the moment. Um, well, there is under Article 18 of the DSM of their directive. They cannot, the UK uh, music creators cannot ask for a contract adjustment mechanism to be put in place if they actually discover that the uh, label and or publisher are making way more money than um, uh the the remuneration this, this these music creators these uk music creators are getting uh for their music you cannot have an ad, a contract adjustment mechanism mechanism in the uk at the moment there's no alternative dispute resolution body in place in the uk if you have a dispute in relation to transparency or in dispute to, con to contract adjustment um with your label of your or your or your publisher in the uk doesn't exist there's no revocation right uh, uh, in, in case the uh, you, you issue a track. I mean, say, for example, if you take Rita Ora, OK, so she is a UK artist, although I think she's originally from a from a um, Eastern Europe uh, country. But uh, Rita Ora has always baffled me because she uh, she's signed to a label, but her music is nowhere. Why? Because she's actually released some tracks, but these tracks have not been used by, as far as I know, by her a label. So she's not being uh she's not being uh, her tracks are basically not being played she's she's never on 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 uh, hardly ever on on um streamers and, she, and I, i'd never hear on, on 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 the radio so i think there was a case a few years ago if my memory is correct um where she basically uh said i want to terminate my contract because my my label is not putting the music out it's all you know sitting on the shelf and nothing is happening and um I don't think that she really went very far with this with his complaints and this dispute. As far as I know, she's still not really performing much Rita Ora, and the, most of the money she made was mainly through um, fashion and, uh, and brands endorsement deals. So, uh, but in the UK, because uh, you guys decided not to uh, 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 not to stay in the EU and not to therefore not to um, um, transpose the directive on digital single market, there's no revocation right. So, you know, too tough for you, uh, Rita Ora. Anyway, so um, so yeah, and of course that right, you know, for your UGC platforms um, also doesn't exist. You know, they um, in in the, in in, um, in the UK, um, YouTube and Daily Motion, they they don't have to. Um, they can still benefit from the safe harbor protection and they don't have to uh to, to go after the uh the rice holders to obtain licenses or strike down the, the content the infringing content so to answer your question Stephen, um uk creators music creators are at massive disadvantage and so that is what um uh basically lobbyists and uh, uh various bodies representing UK music creators as, as finally understood, finally the penny dropped, and then they started, you know, um, 
contacting and lobbying various UK MPs, and this is where this bill has come from, and all this, all this uh, um, decision to do the investigation about the uh, about what's happening in the UK and how can we change it. And so, what's interesting actually with the um, outcome of this um, of this uh, investigation uh, that the House of Commons Digital Culture, Media and Sports Committee from the UK Parliament has released is that this report they released in, in July basically contained more or less a, a lot of provisions, a lot of uh, a, a lot of provisions which 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 are have now become law in the EU through this digital single market directive. So the committee recommends to classify music streaming as an income source subject to equitable remuneration. Okay, so they want basically streaming to be um, assimilated to a physical product like um, like a CD or or a DVD, and therefore um, uh, to, uh, to to be uh, uh, paid. Um, I think actually it might be the other way around. Basically, what they want is that they the uh, the committee wants uh, when they mention equitable remuneration for streaming, they want the record labels and the publishers to divide fifty percent of the income they receive from streaming with the uh, uh, the music creator, be it the performer or the uh, the songwriter uh, lyricist. So that is this is what they are trying to achieve uh, by referring to equitable remuneration in their recommendations. Um, and um, and what they want this uh, this uh, UK Parliament committee is that um, the um, the right to equitable remuneration. Uh, be coexisting with the making available right. So, and they also want this uh, this uh, remuneration to be paid by uh, the uh, rights holders, so the record labels, um, to the performers through the collective management organizations. Why? Because if it's the collecting societies who actually deal with all the streaming income, then it's transparent because they have an obligation to disclose. Uh, through the, uh, the various statements. So it's clear the CMOs, the collecting societies are in the UK would deal with the uh, equitable remuneration, you know, slashing it 50% for the record label, 50% for the artist. And that's, that's clear. So that's, that's why the uh, committee is asking for, for it to be dealt with through the CMOs of the, the record labels. Um, also, what the uh, this UK Parliament um, committee is asking is, um, uh, to launch an investigation um, through the um, through the um, um, competition uh, uh, authority in the UK into the three major labels because they have understood for all the massive research that they did that the likes of Warner, Universal, and Sony um, have a like sixty uh, percent market share in the UK. And which is obviously a lot, and so therefore we've got so much power over the other UK UK music creators, and um, and um, so yeah, so they want to have this uh, um, uh, this this inquiry launched into this oligopoly uh, formed by the majors in the music industry in the UK, and um, um, yeah, they also want to have this. Uh, uh, a, a same system that the, the new protection for the UGC, the user-generated content platform um, uh, implemented in the UK, where basically safe harbor would be 
put on the shelf and instead there would be this requirement mandatory uh, requirement to license the content so uh basically uh, oh there is another point actually that the uh, the, the uk committee has has, um, has put in, in this a very good very good idea and this is this is this is actually an addition to what the provisions from the digital single market directive um are providing so they the this uk committee also wants the advertising standards authority of the uk to regulate music playlist curators because they have understood that these playlist curators have an important role in the discovery and consumption of digital digital music because uh, so many people they don't have a the time they just want to listen to music you know um in the background uh without them having to do the creation so what do they do they go to spotify they go to playlist and they say okay i want to have a playlist with you know lots of daft punk music in it and then they put press and then they listen to all this music without doing any creation and so that has the imp a lot of impact on the on the income of uh, of um, the, uh, the 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 rights holders on, on the streamers because if you are in a playlist well that is definitely going to change your fate in terms of making money or not and being on a playlist for an artist and uh, his or her label and publisher is very important. Um, if you are on the playlist, you, you, there's a very high, there's a much higher chance that you make money out of streaming than if you aren't. So basically, the power of these music playlist curators is obviously very, very large and very important. And so, what the um, uh, UK committee wants to do is to um, have the advertising standards authority set up a code of conduct for these um, for these music playlist curators so uh, that they are basically uh, are transparent in relation to the selection methods of uh, of uh, the, the, the the music tracks that they put on their playlist and also that they explain you know that they um, um they exp uh, disclose if there's, if there's been any money paid by um someone who owns the track to actually be included in this playlist and this is a bit similar to what is being done with um with um um influencers on instagram instagram or, or twitter okay now there's a code of conduct that this um, um advertising standards authority has put in place and um and um, um uh, instagram uh, influencers uh, or youtube influencers have an obligation to disclose whether they get they're getting paid by the the brand when they advertise some products um and um uh etc so so i think this is a great idea uh to uh to to basically have a code of conduct for these music playlist curators and uh, this is one of the suggestions recommendations made by the uh, the uk committee on um um in their report so I think we need to uh, uh, basically guess on. Uh, I mean, just just uh, how can I say this politely? We need to be mindful with time because it's already twenty four past uh, past four. But um, um, do you guys have any questions or comments about about this uh, new protective legal framework in the EU in the UK? Um, if you want to unmute yourself to ask a question, or if you want to use the chat box, let me have a look what's going on in YouTube. If we have any comments. 
Okay. So I'll just uh, I'll just move on now to our last point. Okay. So the last point is um, what is the future of the suggested reforms um, made by this committee uh, through its report um, on uh, to improve the uh, the UK music industry and um, and also to improve the fate of UK music creators. Uh, well. Uh, uh, on a factual level, now that this bill has been presented to the UK Parliament and is in its second reading stage um, in the House of Commons, um, well, there's going to be some debate, obviously, for these various um, uh, 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 new music uh, legal reforms to uh, uh, to be to be. Um, uh, uh, basically to be uh, uh, to enter into force and to therefore amend uh, various sections of the UK Copyright Design and Patent Act 1988 uh, to you know to introduce this right to an equitable remuneration for performers as I mentioned before and um, and also uh, to um, uh, to have a right to revocation of a transfer of rights um, after 20 years. And so um, from a timeline standpoint, uh, this bill is just going for the motion in the UK Parliament. Um, another, uh, um, another, some other facts that we can use to assess the, the, the future of this of this suggested reform is that as i mentioned before the uk government as well as the um, uk competition authority have replied have provided a response to the report created by the uk committee in uh, september 2021 and in there uh, basically <laughs> uh, the, uh, the main message was wait and see uh, the UK government uh, was like, yeah, that's great. You've done a great job, committee, great reforms, great suggestion of reforms, but let's wait and see. What we're going to do as a UK government is that we are going to ask for more research, do some, uh, uh, put in place some, um, some working groups and a music industry contact group and we're going to uh, launch a research program and alongside stakeholders engagement and we're going to launch some technical stakeholders working groups and we're going to sit tight and assess uh, and in particular what we're going to sit tight for and assess is um, what's happening in the European Union after the transposition of the digital single market directive because we want to see how this works out on the uh, other side of the channel and yeah and so so yeah sit tight and assess but in the meantime um what i think is going to happen and this is therefore my um humble view on the matter is that the um the uk uh, music market is going to lose um to, 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 to lose its um, competitive edge, um, at least, you know, contract wise, because uh, the uh, most business savvy talent will try to sign with record labels and publishers uh, who are based in the European Union. 
because they will feel way more protected there. And, um, and so I think this is a bit of a shame if too much time elapses between now and, um, and um, you know, between, yeah, in the next few months or years, um, there's definitely going to be a massive discrepancy and the best talent will be signed uh, with labels and, uh, and publishers based in the European Union, no doubt about this. I mean, why would you work your socks off, you know, to produce some great content and then not get paid for it? I mean, obviously you will want to do something else. So even if you have to take the Eurostar and relocate to Paris or Berlin or, you know, well, you'll do it. Um, so I personally think in terms of, again, assessing the future of the suggested reforms in the UK, I personally think that with the UK conservative government that we have at the moment, the conservative leadership, uh, there's no way that the bill presented by this committee and, and members of parliament in the UK or any new iteration of it will be adopted anytime soon in the UK. Um, because, because this conservative government um, will probably view all these um, recommendations made by the committee and also set out in the bill as too um, intrusive into the contractual relationship between the uh, uh, major the music labels and um, and uh, and publishers and with the music creators. So. So, yeah, I'm not very hopeful um, that the UK government is actually going to follow through and uh, and really is serious about implementing those recommendations made by the UK committee. Um, and um, actually, the um, uh, US, USA, US uh, journalists and music commentators who've uh, who've uh, discussed these uh, reforms and recommendations made by the UK committee have been particularly scathing about it. Um, for example, uh, they, uh, they said that the, um, the committee seems to be aiming to reshape commercial business models for streaming music. Um, these commentators from the US are prompting underlying that UK parliament only makes UK laws. Uh, which implies that the UK cannot single-handedly intervene into the free uh, music majors worldwide contractual arrangement with a talent um, or go against established licensing agreements set up by streaming services, just Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music and Google Play. So um, with his negative feedback coming from the US, and with a sort of uncertainty as to what's going to happen in the new digital single market landscape created um, created in the last few months in the European Union, I think that the UK leadership and UK government are just going to do nothing and just wait and buy time uh, so that uh, UK music creators think that there still is a chance that they're going to uh, they're going to actually do something until they realize in a few days, in a few years down the line, that nothing is being done. So sorry for not being more 